Okay. Shalom Ubracha Chicago. Nice to, to be back. Hashem. I'm an alumni, by the way. I still in his Koki Yeshiva, so it's like coming back in a way. Hashem, coming back home. All right. We have a few things we're going to go into, and the goal is to get to the idea of Parnasa with Bracha. So this class will be broken down in two sections. The first is the actual main theme, the main topic. And then the highlight will be Bezat Hashem. The end, we're going to go into what's called the 40-day challenge based on the lesson Bezat Hashem. As it's Elul, and everybody knows what Elul is, that it's a preparation for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and it's a preparation for the whole upcoming year. And believe it or not, the attitude you have on Elul will determine your Rosh Hashanah experience, your Yom Kippur, your Sukkot, and the rest of the year, Bezat Hashem. So Chazal teach us that, that it's broken down basically in the aphorism, the Rashi Tevot from Elul, Ani Dodi Vedodili. I'm to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. What does that mean? What does that mean on a practical level? What, what is the devotion here? So Rabbi Nachman has an in-depth lesson explaining that this term, Ani Dodi Vedodili, is basically the outline of one's a person's entire life that is broken down into two sections Ani Lododi being the ups of life, the ascents the times that things are going amazing and advancing in life and Vedodili is the times of life when things are not going properly not going right, going backwards going upside down and the person feels totally pushed back and both are needed in the growth process. It's packaged and parcel in coming close to Hashem. You cannot come close to Hashem if you don't have the ability to be an expert and being happy and positive throughout this journey of the ups and downs. To just express better the idea of the ups and downs, we're going to go into a little, first the famous Gemara, the story in the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat, the famous story that everybody knows of the convert who came before Shammai to convert. The Gemara says, that, that the convert came standing on one leg, one foot, and he said to Shammai, convert me before I fall. Convert me on condition that you can teach me the whole Torah in one sentence. Before I fall. Before I, I fall, I want you to convert me. So Shammai, the Gemara says, threw to him a builder stick. The Gemara says, what type of a stick Shammai threw to him? Amata binyan. A builder stick. Okay? So, not satisfied. The simple understanding is that Shammai like, told him, get out of here. What is this? You want the old tar and one foot? Get out of here. So, Hillel, he went to Hillel, and with the same request, convert me while standing on one foot. So, Hillel was able to say to him the following. Simple. The whole Torah is the following. Whatever you would not do to yourself, don't do to others. Rashi on the spot says, in other words... Like Rabbi Akiva says, Love your neighbor as yourself. This is a big rule in the Torah. And this is what Hila said is the basis of the entire Torah. So now, the Maggid of Mizvich has a few questions on this famous Gemara. Question number one, why does the Gemara have to illustrate, why does the convert have to illustrate standing on one foot? He can simply say to Shammai, give me the whole Torah in one sentence. Why this additional a fact or, or piece of the picture that he's standing on one foot. Just say, give me the whole Torah in one phrase. Why they're standing on one foot? Number two, what is this that the Gemara tells us what type of a stick Shammai threw at the, the convert? What, Shammai was in the middle of like building a sukkah? <laughs> the guy came asking a question and he threw this builder stick. You know, why do we have to know what type of a stick? Number three, fine and dandy, Hillel's answer, you know, it's like a hippie answer. Love, harmony, love your neighbors, yourself. It sounds nice. It sounds beautiful. In a way, it makes sense. But the Torah is big. The Torah is vast. The Torah is humongous. We're talking about, technically, yes, 6,000 years of Torah, almost. You know, even, even more. The Torah was created before the world. You know, we're talking about all, what we have on, our, on a revealed level. We're talking about the Chumash, the Tanakh, the Mishnah, the Gemara, the Midrash, the Zohar, the, the, the Kabbalah, the Arizal, you know, Hasidut, and then all the commentaries, the Rishonim, the Acharonim, all the Poskim, it goes on and on and on and on and on. At least give me basic fundamentals. But to say everything's just in one phrase, how could it be? What's going on? So the Magid explains like this. He said, the convert was trying to say the following. He knew that Judaism is the truth. He knew that the way to, connect, to be in this world, to have a purpose, is to serve Hashem. But he couldn't accept 
that a Jew has to go through so many ups and downs in life, that everything is up and down, up and down. Like the verse says in chapter Psalm 107, the person goes up super high, and then he crashes. The convert couldn't accept that the life of a Jew is not straight. That it's up and down, up and down. Like they say in Yiddish, there's a breast of expression. One day a person's a malach, an angel. Next day he's a galach, a priest. <laughs> he goes from extreme to extreme. One day, oh man, I'm flying. Davening was amazing. Learning was amazing. Work was amazing. The family was amazing. The eating was amazing. Everything was amazing. The exercise and the sports was amazing. The next day, crash. Urgh. He gets up at 11 in the morning and he's rushing and he's upset and screaming and his shirt is sticking out and he chips over something and he, in the accident, he falls on the dog. I don't know. But a person has extreme ups and downs in life. He couldn't handle that, the convert. He couldn't accept that life is filled with ups and downs. So he was standing on one foot as if to say, convert me before I fall. Meaning, I don't want to have any downs in life. I just want to go up from level to level. What's wrong with that? What's wrong that I have a challenge and I have an effort and the effort is the challenge and I just put in my effort to go forward and forward and forward. Why push me back? If anything, let me advance and stay there till tomorrow and then continue from where I left off. Why push me back? Why push me back? What's the need? Why can't I just continue going up? Elevation to elevation. You want breaks? Okay, breaks. But why push me down? Why throw me to zero, even sometimes minus zero, or most of the time, a person feels one step forward and two steps back. Why? Why do I need this? So the convert was saying, I don't want that. I want to serve Hashem on condition that I can go up, because that's the purpose to serve Hashem. He agrees. Shammai threw him this builder stick. The Gemara tells us what type of stick. A builder stick. What's the idea of a builder stick? So it's kind of difficult to understand what Rashi says in the commentaries. But basically, that no building in the world, due to the circularity of the world, as sharp and square and rigid as a building you may build, nothing ends exactly at the millimeter at the end. When you have like a, you're building a, like a 50 square meter apartment or room, whatever, it'll be a centimeter or millimeter to the right or to the left. It won't end exactly. Everything is always like fractions and digits along or too much or too less. So Shammai was trying to tell the convert, you see this? The builder stick, the build, building yourself, developing yourself in your Yiddishkeit, it's or a little bit to the right or to the left. In other words, there's ops, right is chesed, advance. And gvura is the left, dinim, judgments, severity, pushback, setbacks in life. That's how a Jew grows. That's how it is. He did not want to accept that. He didn't want to accept that, so he went to Hillel. And Hillel was able to open up to the convert a whole new world of the power of having ups and downs. So in this, the Magadim message goes into a bit of Kabbalah, where it explains the secret of a convert. What is a convert? A convert is basically a Jewish soul. That's why the convert is called Ben Avram Avinu, Ben Sarai Menu. He's a Jewish neshama. Just he came back in his challenge, in his tikkun, his rectification, his challenge is to come back in the form of a Gentile and to break free, to come to the revelation of his real truth, his true identity of who he really is, and from there to struggle to advance. Okay? So now, <coughs> what happens is, how do you wake up someone like that? This also applies to a Baal for example. Hillel was saying to the convert, how come you're coming to me right now? Why didn't you come a week ago, or a month ago, or a year ago? What woke you up that you're coming to me now, and you didn't come before? What, what happened? So Hill was explaining like this, that a Jew has struggles. Take, take a guy named Shimon, for example. There's a Jew called Shimon, and he's trying to become a tzaddik. So he goes up, and he goes down. How it works, the ups and downs, is like a trampoline. Meaning, if you go up, for example, level plus 100, to get up to level 200, you have to first go down to minus 100, but like a trampoline. Now that you went down minus 100, you go up plus 200, well, great. But then to go up further, you have to go minus 200, like a trampoline. The higher you go, the deeper you go. But the higher you go, and the deeper you go, this is what the, the, the sages teach. Kol ha-gadol mechavero, yitzro gadol mimenu. Anyone who's greater, meaning you're striving for higher levels, high aspirations, you have greater downs. You go down, okay? The thing is by tzaddikim, who are great people, <coughs> they have such strength that even though they, go, they crash sometimes, they go super low, but they're able to hold on and to get right back up. Once Rabbi Nachman said about himself in the book Tzaddik in English, Chaim Oran, he said to his followers, you, you guys see me, right? You see me being a tzaddik in your eyes, right? You guys hold, he said to his followers, you hold of me as being a big tzaddik. 
If someone like me were to transgress the entire Torah 800 times, I would still get up and be a tzaddik. <laughs> the difference is, now I would do tshuva. But it wouldn't diminish my stature, my, my level. I would be able to get back up and to be strong. We said this morning a nice joke. That's why in Bristol we drink a lot of 7-Up. Because 7-Up is Sheva Yipot Tzadik Vakam. A person goes down 7. That's the verse in, 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 uh, in, uh, Psalm, in, uh, in, in Mishle, Proverbs. A Tzadik goes down 7 but gets up. 7-Up. Right? Got it? So, the deeper a person, the higher a person strives, the lower he goes. But he keeps on going higher. So, again, in the struggle, this Shimon, like we said, he's going up plus 500, minus 500. Plus 600, minus 600, plus 1,000, minus, he goes higher, he goes deeper, higher, deeper, okay? That's, that explains why it's so hard. A person feels, am I advancing in life or I'm going backwards? A person feels real futile and feels like he's getting absolutely nowhere in life because he is advancing, but the downs are so deep, it seems to a person that he hasn't advanced in life at all, but the truth is he's advancing, but he's just going deeper because he's striving for higher levels. So now what happens? When this Shimon now reaches, like, say, plus 2,000, and then to go up to plus, the next level is, say, plus 3,000, he has to go down all the way to minus 2,000. When he goes down to minus 2,000, there are what's called dormant souls. There are souls, Jewish souls, Jewish neshamot, that are in sleep mode. Sleep mode, airplane mode, sleep mode, whatever you want to call it. All the way down, minus 2,000. When he comes down, this Shimon goes down to minus 2,000, his light wakes up all the sleepy souls at minus 2,000. And the proof that he has light is that his potential to go back up is with him. He goes down with his potential light. Proof is he goes back up afterwards. So he takes the shimon, takes down with him at minus 2,000. He takes the light with him, waking up all the sleepy souls at minus 2,000 so that when this shimon pulls himself back up, goes back up, he pulls with him all the other sleepy souls with him. This is what Hillel was telling the convert. You woke up because some shimon in the world went to your level that you were sleeping and when he went up, he pulled you up. That's why you're coming now and not last year or not a month ago, whatever. And Hillel says, this is the greatest this is the greatest love your neighbor as yourself. Because just as he helped you to come where you are now and you want to be a Yid, so too in your struggle to be a Jew, you will help other people. This is just a perspective how ups and downs are part of Yiddishkeit. It's part of Am Yisrael's picture, meaning that you shouldn't take it personally when you have ups and downs. It's for a higher purpose. So what to do when you're going through a down? The main thing is, like Rabbi Nachman says, you have to be an expert, a bucky. An expert in what? In maintaining proper simcha when going down. Okay, it's not easy. For sure it's not easy. This is the challenge of 99.9999% of society. Okay, not just Jews. Everyone goes to this test. But we must use the maximum, maximum force to be happy. This is why Rabbi Nachman said, Mitzvah gedola liot besimcha tamid. It's a big mitzvah to be happy. The Litvaks always ask the breast of us, where does it say that? Where does it say in the 613 mitzvah that it's a big mitzvah to be happy? It's called a mitzvah gedola. There's mitzvot, taryag mitzvot. And there's a big mitzvah. The Mig Mitzvah is hinted to in Parshat Kitavo coming up, where Moshe Rabbeinu lists 98 curses, crazy things. You're going to eat your kids, chasa shalom, and all these terrible things. And it says there at the end, at the end of all the curses and, par- and all the punishments and warnings in, in Parshat Kitavo, all this will befall you. Tachat Asher All this is going to come to you, not because you didn't serve Hashem, the verse says, because you didn't serve Hashem with joy. Besimcha, uft and a good heart. <laughs> that means Hashem, as much as He's concerned about the mitzvot you do, He's concerned about the attitude you have in serving Hashem. Judaism is not to me- meant to be a burden. There's a famous analogy from the Magid of Dubno. Magid of Dubno was a good friend of the Vilna Gaon. The Vilna Gaon loved him very much, and he always asked him for Musar, give me Musar. So he had, he had good analogies. One analogy was that once there was a, a man, uh, a, a wealthy man, and he received a letter from the post office to pick up a package. So he sent his servant to go pick up the package. He gave him the paper. So the servant came four or five hours later, half dead, schlepping a giant sack of bricks. And he collapsed at the entrance of the house. The master said, why you took so long? He's looking up and said, <laughs> ask him why I came so long? I'm half dead. Look what you sent me to pick up. So he said, what is this package? He looked on the address on the package of these bricks and it was the wrong address. He said, 
This is not for me. This is the wrong address. So he said that Magid of Dubno, when your Judaism gets tough and difficult and ich, and you're not interested and it's just a burden, you should know you have the wrong address. What does it mean you have the wrong address? Your perspective of Judaism is the wrong address. That's why it's a burden. It came to you because it's the wrong attitude. Judaism, Rav Nosson says, is naim. Right? Derachea, darche, noam. Judaism is pleasant. There's no reason to find loopholes and leniencies and everything. If you live with the Torah, it gives you joy. Yes. What's wrong with following the halakha? What's wrong? It, you'll see that it's going to enhance your simcha in life. Because Hashem designed it, that true simcha is experienced specifically in this format of tefillin, of Shabbat, of Sukkot, of Tzedakah, of Brachot, all the hundreds, thousands of mitzvot that we have, the 613 and the extensions of the 613, they're all there for you. And, it's there to, and that's the way to experience true joy. Hashem designed it, yes, that a Jew should feel happy, and he can feel happy. Ah, thank you, I put on film today. Ah, I dove in Mincha. Ah, I done Shacharit. Ah, I went to the Mikveh. Ah, I said a bracha. I gave tzaka. I kept Shabbos. Ah, I had the challah. I feel great. <laughs> Even though sometimes you feel stomach pain after eating the Shabbos food, but you feel great. You feel good about it, right? That's, Rav Nosson says, that's Judaism. Judaism is not meant to be a burden, and it's meant to be enjoyable, yes, to appreciate and you can appreciate, and true appreciation comes, Dafka, through the mitzvot. So going back, mitzvah gedola, it's a big mitzvah to be happy, because the happiness is the key for all the other mitzvot. If a person doesn't serve Hashem with happiness, then he'll Shalom drop everything. There's a famous story told of two families that arrived in Ellis Island in the 1920s, when it was very, very difficult to be a religious Jew in America, because they demanded a person work six days a week, and the day off was only Sunday, the, uh, the Christian Sabbath, right? So Jews, who didn't show up at work Saturday morning, they came to work on Monday morning and they lost their job. They said, you have nothing to do here. Take your paycheck for last week and find somewhere else. So by most people who were keeping Shabbos, they held on one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks maybe, maybe to the second month, but they kept on having excess of job op- opportunities because they had less opportunities because they kept on getting fired because they didn't show up to work for Shabbos on Shabbos morning. So two families came from Eastern Europe, both with like a lot of kids and everything, and both were strong, we're not gonna break Shabbos, we're gonna hold on. So they kept on getting fired every week. So the, op- the options of finding new jobs were getting lower and lower and lessened and lessened, okay? So they reached the point, both families, where they mamish almost had nothing to eat at home. Normally they had fish to give for the Shabbos meal, kiddush, chala. They reached a the point where there's almost nothing to eat. We're not talking about pikuach nefesh. Pikuach nefesh is where you have to transgress Shabbat to survive. We're not talking about someone who's starving to death. But it was inconvenient, uncomfortable, and no pleasantness of feeling the Shabbos joy when there's no minimum uh, enjoyment of the Shabbat table. So one, so one family, the father couldn't stand the children crying, Abba, where's the kiddush? Where's, the, where's this? And Because there's nothing to eat, like very little, barely minimum. And the pain got to him that the, the, the Shabbos is not being done properly. And he gave in. The next week, he worked on Shabbos. And this man eventually lost all of his kids. They all assimilated, all intermarried, and there was nothing left of his Yiddishkeit. The other family, watch this. The father, when he reached the same scenario, that there was barely any food for Shabbos, he told his kids at Shabbos, my dear children, this Shabbos, Hashem wants us just to sing. This Shabbos is singing to, Shabbos, singing to Hashem. He took his kids on his laps, and he started to sing with them the Shabbos Zmirot. And his joy was so radiant, okay, that he was able to generate that to his children and to give him the warmth and happiness. And Hashem came through, he made it, he held on, Hashem opened the doors, and this man kept his Yiddishkeit, his Jewish education, his children went on to become Tamidei Chachamim from people, and it continued, okay? What kept him was the Simcha. What, what the other guy dropped, there was no Simcha. He wasn't able to handle the situation. That's a secret, that a person can be happy in the difficulty itself. We had a story this morning, we'll say it again because it's so powerful, the message. You probably heard it from me hundreds of times, but it's worth hearing the story again and again because of the powerful message that comes through. That Rav Zusha and Rav Elimelech, the two brothers, they were in a certain period of their time traveling incognito, undercover, for whatever reasons they had a tzaddikim, that no one should recognize them. So they arrived to a village, a shtetl, where there was a curfew. Anyone out on the streets after 9 p.m. was arrested, even though they're innocent, put in a jail cell until the morning. In the morning, they would check out who they are, their documents, their papers, their ID, and let them set them free. So Rav Zushan and Rav Melech arrived quarter to nine in this village. They had no time to set up a, 
Achsanya, where they're going to their lodgings, where they're going to sleep, where they're going to eat. 9 p.m. arrives, they're on the street, the police see them in the shtetl, and they take them, they arrest them, they put them in the jail. The jail cell was a big room with tons of mattresses around. And in the middle was a toilet to relieve themselves. And there were tons of inmates there, Jews and non-Jews, real criminals and innocent people together in the room. And everybody's sad, of course. And Rabbi Elimelech was also sad. So Rav Zusha was always the happy brother. He said to his brother, my brother Elimelech, why are you so sad? What's wrong? He said, how do you want me to be happy? I can't daven marv now. It's time to daven marv. I can't daven marv. I can't say kriyat shema. I can't even learn Torah because of the smell and the stench and the presence of the, of the toilet. It's forbidden to learn Torah and daven in, this, in the presence of such a situation. So what do, how can I be happy? Gehenam is even worse. And Gehenam is in kriyat Hashem. Here I can't even kriyat Hashem. So Rebbe said to his brother, <clears throat> my, du- my super duper perfect brother who's never missed a marv in his life, Hashem now wants you to fulfill the mitzvah like this. The halacha says that when you're in such a scenario, so the halacha says you say in your heart the following, Master of the Universe, I want to serve you. I really want to serve you, but I can't because of the situation. Let it be considered before you, as if I did the Kriyat Shema, as if I did the, the, the prayer. And the halacha says you are credited as if, the famous Ke'ilu, as if you did the mitzvah. So he said to him, look, my super duper brother, perfect brother, perfect tzaddik, Hashem now sent you this mitzvah like this. Why are you sad? You should be the happiest person in the world that Hashem gave you the opportunity to do like this. Because you have a good ratzon, you have a good desire to serve him. You can't because of the situation. You want to do good. So he got him hyped up. They started dancing, ay, 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 whatever, dancing in the jail cell. And all the inmates are watching these two Jews. They don't know who they are, dancing like this. So they saw them looking at them. They grabbed everyone in a circle and they made a big circle around the toilet. They're all dancing around the toilet. The warden, he hears the noise. He comes, what's the noise? What's this? They told him it's because of the toilet. And he said, oh, really? Because he doesn't want them to be happy. It's a jail. It's supposed to be serious. Like, you're supposed to be serious in a, in a court case. You have to be serious in jail also. What's the problem? So he opened the cell. He took out the toilet. Past five minutes, no more smell. Rav Zusha told him, now you can dive in. <laughs> now you can dive in. What, get, what, what led them to breakthrough? The simcha. Okay? Ki besimcha tetzeo. With simcha you get out. That was the point here. Is that he worked on being able to serve Hashem even in a scenario where it's difficult. That's what we're talking about until now. That when a person is going through the downs, that he knows this is the ratzon of Hashem. This is the will of Hashem. No, but I want this. And I, want, I want A, B, C, D to happen. It's not happening. Take it easy. Hashem has higher plans for you. Like in the case of Hillel and Shammai, the convert, there's higher plans for your downs. It's just some, a greater cause. There's a greater cause than your tiny little, oh, I didn't get this, I didn't get that. Hashem has something bigger in store for you. Even if it's a holy intent, I just want to come close to Hashem. Hashem says, I know, but we need you for something else. I need your energy for other people now. I need you for something higher. You, what do I need you to do? To be happy. Even when it's going against your will, because that's the whole thing, that it's, that it's going against, and yet you're happy. This is what Rabbi Nachman teaches, as a person has to be an expert in knowing how to do Ani Dodi. Ani Dodi meaning when things are going smooth, things are going amazing, things are going great, Ani Dodi, I can do for Hashem. Dodi, my beloved. I can get up in the morning on time. I can serve Hashem. I can do good. I can do good to other people. Ani Dodi. <coughs> and when I can't do anything, I'm knocked out. I can't do anything. So Dodi, <coughs> I'm expected to receive. Now I can't do anything. I'm knocked out. <laughs> I'm finished. But what's the attitude then? Not to be sad, not to be just to be happy that I can serve Hashem even though I'm doing nothing. There was a wrestler, his name was Rabbi Leo Chaim Rosen. He's the one who was responsible in building the main wrestler yeshiva and building in Yerushalayim, in Me'asharim. And one of those responsible in reviving Rabbi Nachman's chassidut after World War II. Because after World War II, there was such a chorban in the entire world. If it, was, it was like that in the whole Jewish world. Then just imagine in the Breslov world, which was a fraction of people, a tiny fraction of people, a handful there, a handful there. And there was like barely nothing, hanging by a hair's breadth of people. And yet he was able to be responsible in reviving the Breslov teachings and the movement and the followers. So he, towards the end of his life, because he had typhus when he was young, so when he reached like his uh, late, age, late, uh, late ages, the 80s, the early 90s, he was like bedridden for like four years. He couldn't move for because of the typhus that he had when he was young. So in, uh, he passed away in the year 1984. So like his last four years, he was out of it. But people noticed that he was always happy. And he told them, if I didn't have the hitbodidut, the, the, the ability to talk to Hashem, 
What would else I, I be doing? I was sitting in a bed all day doing nothing. I would, be, I would rot and have been dead already a long time ago. He said he was able to hold on and be positive because he was just do, talking to Hashem the whole time. When you're lying in bed doing nothing, what can you do? You can't move your hands, you can't open a book, you can't read. So what do you do? Thank you, Hashem, when talking to Hashem. He was talking to Hashem for like four years until he passed away. But he left with a positive attitude. He did what he was supposed to do. This is what Hashem demands of us, is knowing how to handle the challenges. And it's not easy. Because of that, Rabbi Nachman gives a lot of advice that a person has to find many ways how to draw simcha in their life. If it's telling jokes, acting silly, right? We, did, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have a little stick here of Omar Darlin. If you saw that from last time I was here, we did a, when people laugh. I'm not going to do it again right now. I'm in a serious mood right now. But uh, we, we, we tell jokes. That's one way of getting happy. Also giving thanks to Hashem. That's another way how to be happy, to appreciate the good that you have, that that puts you in a good mood. Also, another thing is a person needs in their life tzaddikim. Why do you need tzaddik? Why it's not enough to be an art school Jew that I have my art school books and I have my synagogue and that's my, my Judaism. You need a tzaddik to have contact with a tzaddik because that tzaddik is someone who whenever you have a yo-yo experience of ups and downs, he's able to shine you reminders. Hey, be happy. Wake up. Don't fall in the trap of, of the situation and getting sucked into it and getting into depression and getting shocked or whatever. Be happy. And he sends the, 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 the reminder that you can be happy. Okay? And we spoke this morning of another advice, uh, a big one, is that a person has to step back and look at the whole picture. Look how things are in the general picture that in the end, when Mashiach comes, everything's going to be set perfect. Hashem is going to have His way. Hashem will be one in the whole world. Hashem will be king and Hashem will be one. Everyone will recognize Hashem. Everything will work out. Everybody will be happy. So why are you crying now? Why are you upset now? But I lost this. I lost that. that. But it's in the big picture, things are going to work out. So why are you fretting now? Why are you plotting now? So he gives advice, look from the perspective of the future. Look on the big picture, how in the end things are going to work out, and really, really, really have nothing to worry about. You're in good hands. Lo irara, like we say in Mizmola David, lo irara kiata imadi. I won't fear evil, because Hashem, you're with me. That's the truth. Hashem is with us. And in the end, <coughs> sorry, it's going to work out. So we have many, many ways how to maintain joy, okay? And they're always there. Also, sometimes you try everything and it doesn't work. So at that point, the person also has to cry out to Hashem. Like in Psalm 107, it says and, and on those cases, the person who was trapped in the desert or incarcerated in jail or person who was deathly ill or person who was traveling on, on the sea, Rav Nosson says these four categories of people, the people who are in the desert, the people who are, who are again, uh, in, in, in jail, they're like now incarcerated in jail, in prison, those who are deathly ill and those who are on the ship correspond to four types of scenarios that every Jew goes through in life. The person traveling in the desert is when a person is hit with such bad news that he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know who to turn to. He's like walking in the desert. He doesn't know where to go. You have times in life where you don't know what to do. The guy in the jail is someone who knows what to do in life. He knows how, how to live his life. But the obstacles from outside don't let him. It's like in jail. They won't let me move. I'm trying to do this. This happens. That happens. This happens from outside. So it's like in jail. The person who's sick, like a person also he knows what to do. But I don't feel like it. I feel so depressed. And I feel so out of it and miserable and dead. That's a person who's like in bed. It's deathly ill. And the person who's on a ship is like in a sea, a sea storm. What happens in a sea storm on, on, on the sea? Major ups and major downs. That a person has in his, like we're speaking about today, in his spiritual journey, many ups and downs, super high and super down. In all cases, it says there in the psalm, and what they what did they do when they didn't know what to do? They just cried out to Hashem. Hashem, to be like this is not good. So I'm crying out to you. Help me to come out. Help me to be happy. Help me to be saved. And then it says after each one, that after they cried out to Hashem, that Hashem saved them. And then it says in every of the four cases, they gave thanks to Hashem for the kindness. Meaning, the crying out to Hashem is also an advice to come to joy. When you're trying to be happy and it's not moving, you can also cry out to Hashem. There was, um, there was a breast liver. He used to walk every day from Tzfat to Meron. He lived in Eretz Israel and he would walk the two, three hour or sometimes even four hour walk, <laughs> hike 
from Tzfat all the way to Meron. And on the way, he would learn Mishnayot. So he was able to learn by heart. He finished learning Mishnayot many times, and he finished it off by heart. And he was very poor. They didn't have another pair of shoes, and his sh shoes wore out. So he said to Hashem, Rebona Shalom, or give me a new pair of shoes, or give me the da'at that I don't need shoes. Okay? In other words, Hashem, uh, to be like this is not good for anybody. To be worried and sad and miserable, eh, Hashem likes an argument like this. Hashem, nobody gains. You don't gain, I don't gain. Nobody gains when I'm miserable and I'm sad and upset. Who gains? Hashem, you want me to be sad? You don't want me to be sad. So, or Hashem, let's say we give, we give Hashem an ultimatum. Or Hashem, help, let me, if this is what you wanted me to suffer, so then let me suffer b'simcha, let me be happy, and if emunah, that this is what you want, and if this is not what you want, so help me, give me out, give me out of the situation. But to stay like this, Hashem, miserable, it's, not, it's a no-win for, for everybody. Nobody wins in that case, Hashem. Hashem loves arguments like this. He loves when people express themselves and tell Hashem arguments like that. Because ultimately, Hashem wants us, yes, to be happy, to maintain stability of joy. Right? You can only serve Hashem if you're happy. You can't serve Hashem at all if you're not happy. So, going back, we have many, many ways how to work on happiness. This is the key for the month of Elul. Because like Rav Nossin's daughter, Rav Nossin's daughter, Rav Nossin, the main student, Rabbi Nachman, daughter, her name was um, Est, uh, Esther Shandel, I think, Esther Shandel, yeah? Sorry, Chana Tzirul. Chana Tzirul is the daughter of Rav Nossin. She said, as great as Elul is, is a preparation for Rosh Hashanah, and that's reflected in the shofar every morning, and the slichot, and the additional tehillim that we say, and all the additional devotions we do, that even the Berdachever said that even the fish in the sea, they're shaking in the month of Elul, as a preparation for Shoshana. As much as Elul is a big month, Elul brings with it its ups and downs, its tests, and that's the essence of Elul. How are you going to handle it? Is Elul for you, oily, vaili, Elul, Aleph, Lamid, Vav, Lamid, oily, vaili, or is it, Ani, Ledodi, Ledodi, Li? What is your Elul? Is your Elul now a time of being strong, of being an expert in handling the ups and downs of life, which stick out in the month of Elul more than any other time of the year? Or is it, oily, vaili, ah, this, and that's not working out, and this not working out? It's your attitude that determines this. With all this said, Rabbi Nachman teaches in Lesson 24 that if a person succeeds in this challenge of maintaining happiness in everything he's going through in life, not letting the, scenario, the situation be on top of him, not letting the, the, the scenario and the etzara have the upper hand in making him down, that no matter what, I'm, I'm able to maintain my happiness. So Rabbi Nachman teaches this is the, the key for drawing down bracha in life. Blessing. This is the key for bracha. The bracha now comes down because when a person is happy and he's maintaining the happiness and then he's also doing the mitzvot with happiness, his mitzvot now have an effect, a rippled effect in the whole creation around him, bringing everybody to wake up, to wake up to come back to Hashem. Things begin to have a rippled effect in getting everything in a positive direction. That's the power of a mitzvah. He says, Rabbi Nachman, this is hinted to in the verse, uh, in Egypt, when Moshe Rabbeinu told Paro for the fourth plague of Arbe, of the locusts, he said, you know, let my people go or else you're going to get punished with the locusts. So Paro said, okay, I'll let you guys go. Who's going? Who's going? I'll let you guys go. But who's going? What Moshe Rabbeinu says, we're all going. With the, the young and the old, we're going to go. With our sons and daughters, we're going to go. With our sheep and our cattle, we're all going. We're all going, because we have to, it's a, it's a festivity for us, and we have no idea what Hashem is going to demand of us. He might want, he might want a few access, korbanot more, and he said also, and you also, part, you have to give us also extra animals, because we have no idea what Hashem is going to want of us, right? So this is Rabbi Nachman's proof that when a person is doing a mitzvah, everybody is awakened. They were on the way to do the korban Pesach, right? So he said, Moshe Rabbeinu, we're all needed for this service, the, the adults and the children. And, and the sons and the daughters, the, the sheep, the cattle, we're all waking up from this mitzvah. Because the power of a, mik, a mitzvah is like when you're shaking the, bottle, the bottom of a rope. When you shake the bottom of the rope, the whole rope all the way up to the top is shaking now. So when you do a little tiny mitzvah in this world, any mitzvah you do, we mentioned this this morning, it's a phenomenal idea, that in mitzvah, 
is the word mitzvah, mem, tzaddik, vav, hey, is hidden Hashem's name itself. Hashem's name is hidden in the word mitzvah. Okay? You have vav, hey, in mitzvah, you vav, hey, also yudke, vav, ke. And mem, tzaddik is the hidden version of yudke. Because when you do what's called atbash, atbash is a gematria, a numerical system, where you take the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet and we fold them in two. So 11 and 11, we fold them. And then the first letter, Aleph, now corresponds to, it's facing the last letter, Tav. The second one, Bet, is Shin. And the Gimel is Resh, okay? So in that format, Mem corresponds to Yud. And Tzadik corresponds to He. You have Hashem's name in the mitzvah. You got that? So that when a Jew does a mitzvah, he's shining Hashem's energy. Hashem's, you're actually holding Hashem when you do a mitzvah. When you're holding Etrog and Lulav, in this format of the mitzvah, not like a, there was a joke, Rav Nosen once saw a chassid davening shacharit at two in the afternoon. Okay? So Rav Nosen said, it's like a person has a beautiful etchog for Hanukkah. <laughs> you have the wrong time. You're doing a good job, beautiful davening, but you have the wrong time. I'm sorry, not two in the afternoon, right? So when the mitzvah is done within the parameters of halacha, and the parameters are a lot. There's, there's what's called lechatchila, b'diavad. Uh, anus is like there's the ideal mitzvah and there's when you're in a tight situation and there's when, when you're in a real tight situation and then when you're anus and you can't do the mitzvah keep uh, uh, even just a fraction the halacha gives you ways in every scenario and if you can't do like this then do it like this and you're considered a valid, valid mitzvah okay Hashem is, is compassionate there's many ways to serve Hashem in a mitzvah it can't be done 100% okay so when a Jew is able to, and no matter what, find a way to, to, to do the mitzvah, it activates the light. It activates Hashem's name. You're actually connecting to Hashem's name. You're holding Lulav and Etrog. It's Hashem's name. You're putting on tefillin, keeping Shabbat, saying a bracha. You are now connecting to Hashem's name and shining this present in the world. When Hashem's name is revealed to the world, everything shakes. Everything wakes up. That's the goal. So, he teaches Rabbi Nachman that when a Jew does a mitzvah with joy, the mitzvah goes up. That's another thing. You know, what pushes a mitzvah upwards is the joy. There's a story with the Baal Shem Tov that he arrived in a synagogue to pray and it was empty. And he stood at the door and he put his hand in the mezuzah and he froze. And the student said, Rabbeinu, why don't you go into the synagogue? He says, I can't. They said, why not? He says, it's packed solid. They looked in, it was empty. He said, Rabbeinu, it's empty, the, the, the Beit Midrash. He said, you don't understand. The people's prayers were just, are staying down. They don't go up. So the, the synagogue is filled with the words of the prayers and I have no room to go in. I can't go in because there's so many words of the prayers. They're not going up. They're not going up. What pushes a person's mitzvot upwards is the joy. What's beautiful about Judaism is that a person could do like 5,000 dead mitzvot, comes along one good mitzvah, and it pulls up all the other mitzvot that you, you, your person may have done that were dead, that were considered dead mitzvot. So there's always hope. A person should always do mitzvot, whether he's happy or he's not. It's kept on the side, waiting for that opportunity when a person is happy, true happiness, and it pulls, it back, pulls up everything with him. So when a person has happiness and, and, and has ascent, and there's activated the rippled effect in shaking the world to come back to Hashem, this activates what's called bracha. And the main bracha, that's the bracha means now a person is able to receive bounty to come down. He's activated the means for the bracha to come down. Rabbi Nachman says bracha is associated with the hands as we see in the priestly blessings, Birkat Kohanim. The verse says about Aaron, Vayisa Aharon et Yadav Vayvarechem. In the inauguration of the tabernacle on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, so Aaron, he st- stretched out his arms to the Jewish people's hands, and he gave them the priestly blessings, that Hashem should dwell on them, and now that they erected the tabernacle, that now the presence of God should be more in their lives. So we see the connection between the hands and the brachot. The hands are unique, in that we have ten fingers. The ten fingers and the hands correspond to <clears throat> the ten utterances that Hashem used to creating the world. And the Lord said that there be light, and the Lord said the grass, etc. In, in Parshat Bereshit, there's ten utterances, and the ten fingers correspond to the activation of these levels of energy, of blessing. So when a Jew raises his hands, believe it or not, the ten fingers are channels, like they're shaped like, like tzinorot, like pipelines. The Hashem designed the human fingers, they're like pipelines. That's why the Zohar warns, a Jew should never raise his hands without, without a prayer. It's dangerous. Because if you raise your hands, you're automatically activating blessing to come down. And if it's not accompanied with some type of a prayer, uh, 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 you know, like a, a supplication, 
So you're, you're sending down a bounty and blessing, but if it doesn't go on a, on a prayer, then automatically it goes to the evil side. That's why we have the nails, the fingernails, which are the greatest impurity on the human body, on, on, on the fingers, on the hands. Specifically on the hands, we have the, na- the nails. Like, you know, we wake up in the morning, we do what's called nagelvas, we wash the hands. It's called washing the nails, because the biggest impurity of the human body is on the nails. So when a person raises his hands without a bracha, without any blessing, without any like a prayer, it goes to the other side. The person has to be careful on that. But the Zohar shows you that the hands are connected to the idea of bracha. And when a Jew is able to do mitzvot with joy, he reaches this level called the level of the hands. He activates the levels of the hands. And the fingers are like channels for the brachas to come down. So bracha coming down, come in any format. You, you, but you decide. When Hashem sends a person bracha, you decide how to shape it. Like the verse reads, right? Poteach et yadecha, Hashem, you open your hands, because when we open our hands, we activate Hashem's hands. So, Hashem opens His hands, okay? What are the hands of Hashem, by the way? The Zohar says, don't read Yadecha. Hashem opens His hands. Read it, Yudecha. Hashem opens His two Yuds. Where are the two Yuds in Hashem's name? You have the first Yud of Yud Kevavke, and you have the last Yud of Aleph Dalit Nun Yud. This, this is the first Yud and the last Yud. Yud, yud Kevavke and Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. So you have the opening Yud and the last Yud. Hashem opens up the Yuds, okay? And this brings down the Matzbiya Lechol Chai Ratzon. But the verse reads Hashem satiates all living with desire. What does that mean? Rabbi Nachman explains it means the following You determine how the bounty comes down. Hashem opens his hands. And then gives to all living sova, bounty, according to their will. Ratzon. You determine what's coming down. You want the big house? Okay, get the big house. You want the Lamborghini? You get the Lamborghini. You want this? You want physicality? You'll get it. But if you're smart, you'll aim high. Because the main bracha, believe it or not, is sechel, intellect. What, what value is, is it to have a big house and a lot of wealth and bounty. If now a person's not happy, a person's not connected to Hashem, a person is feeling has all these challenges in life and he doesn't appreciate what he has, what value is it? It's it's better to have the awareness of Hashem. When King Solomon, Hashem told King Solomon, I grant you your wish. What do you want? King Solomon Hashem told asked King Solomon, what do you want? What did he ask for? I want wisdom. <laughs> I want understanding of you. Because that automatically includes everything else. And it's true. He was, he was very wealthy. There was no better days for the Jewish people at the time of the reign of King Solomon. Everybody had money and wealth because he asked for the big thing. It's an expression in the Gemara. Bichlal matayim mane. In 200, you have 100. If you aim high, automatically you have the tiny things. What that means is now, if now you, have, you ask and you aim and you strive for the bracha of knowing Hashem, then whatever Hashem sends you, you're good with it. You feel good about it because you see this is the will of Hashem and you see how Hashem is sending you out of love what you need in life, exactly what you need. That's if you ask for sechel, for intellect. But if you ask for the tiny things, I just want the little things. It's like they gave, someone gave a nice analogy. So they gave a person, you know, one hour to, to, to take anything. He, was, he got a, a one-hour shopping spree in Macy's. And he's able to take anything he wants. So he's, he's running to the jewelry section. They say, you have one hour, take whatever you want from the store. We give you one hour, you take whatever. So he runs to the jewelry section. But on the way, he sees like a pair of sneakers. And he sees a little doll that his daughter wanted. And he starts getting stuck with the little tiny things. And the time's up, he never even got to the jewelry. So too, we know the analogy. The person wastes his time on tiny things. And if you got the main thing. So too, so too that's the idea here. That when you have the sechel shining into your life, automatically it includes the tiny things. More than that, the appreciation of whatever comes your way, you're happy with it. You can be a person who has a little tiny house in Yerushalayim, a 50 square meter house, but he's so happy. I'm, I'm Yerushalayim, I'm happy with it, I am not miserable, as opposed to the guy who has the big, big giant mansion in Beverly Hills, but he's not happy. He feels uh, empty and dead and dried. The idea is that you have the bracha of sechel in your life, and this automatically brings the other things. So this, Rabbi Nachman says, this is the secret of bracha. <coughs> the Zohar says, <clears throat> that this is hinted to in the word for blessing itself. Baruch, Bet, Resh, Vav, Chaf stands for, the Tikkun Ezra says, stands for Birchot Rosh, 
ומקור כל. The blessings of the mind, intellect in other words, ברכות ראש, and that being the root ומקור for everything else. Okay? So this was hinted to in the verse. פותח את ידיך ומשביע לכל חי. The word לכל. And because kol, the makor, the, the root of everything, is if you aim high, if you aim for the blessings of the head, you have kol, you have kol chai ratzon. You're all living, by the way. The Zohar, by the way, I just want to say one point, which is pretty cool. The Zohar says that in this verse, poteach et yadecha masbi alechol chai ratzon. Hashem opens his hands and sustains all living according to the ratzon. What's called all living? You think all living means all living human beings. Kol Chai. The Zohar says, Kol Chai is only the Tzaddik. <laughs> the Tzaddik is called all living. Why? Because the Tzaddik is someone that even after he passes on, he's considered living. Because the Gemara says, Tzaddikim, even after they pass on, they're considered living. That's why we go to graves of Tzaddikim in Davin, because we believe that there's a potential light there. There's, they're, they're, they're still there. Their presence is there. That's, like, that's a belief in Judaism. Kalev, he went to Hebron. Right? Kalev the spies in the, in the Miraglim. He went to Hebron. He went to the graves of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and, and, and Sarah, Rivka, and Leah. And he, he, he asked him, my, my, my ancestors, my forefathers, govern for me that I shouldn't get sucked into the advice of the spies. Going to graves of Sadiqim is the backbone of Judaism. It's been around with us since a time, time eternal, since Kalev even. Okay? We have, the first story we have of graves of Sadiqim is in the Torah. Vayavot Hebron, right? So the tzaddikim are called kol chai. You hear that? They're called always kol, all living. Because they're always living. Even after they pass on, they're, they're considered living. Meaning that Hashem really, initially, He opens His hands essentially for the tzaddikim. Because the tzaddikim know what to ask for. The tzaddikim ask for the good things. Like King Solomon, they ask for the intellect to know Hashem. They say, or oh, you want a million dollars, or you want your mind to be opened up to Hashem's wisdom. So the wise person would say, of course I want my mind opened up to the wisdom of Hashem. Because when you have that, whatever physicality you have, you see the divine providence in it. You see the, being sat, the satisfaction and being happy with it. That's, that's the key. So to sum up, this is the key for bracha. And Rabbi Nachman teaches the, key, the way to come to this type of bracha and have this bracha in your parnasa and everything is by being happy. When you show Hashem that you're always happy, Hashem opens the doors. They say like this, when someone asks a guy, Reuven asks Shimon, Shimon, how are you doing today? And Shimon says, oh, terrible, you know, I fell, I broke my elbow, and this happened, I got now the bill for the phone bill, it went up so high, and, all, and everything's just terrible. So Hashem says, terrible, terrible, I'll show you what's terrible, and Hashem, God forbid, makes it worse. But when a person, when Reuben says to Hashem, how's it going? And it's really having a rough time. But he says, Baruch Hashem, I know Hashem is good. And everything is just amazing. I just don't see it, but I believe in it. I know that's going to be good. So Hashem says, good, good. I know it's not good and it's hard for you. I'll make it now that it's really good for you. The point is that the positive attitude a person has, this is what generates all the bracha coming down. This is the key. We should be zochet to have this, have this key of bracha, of Baruch, and, and knowing that when you aim high, Hashem always sends you a way out that you can never get stuck in being sad. We'll just finish off with this famous story of, <laughs> that Rabbi Nachman tells. It's a funny story, believe it or not. Of There was a man, he was called the fixer. He was always happy. He was always able to be happy. And the king of that nation, that country, he was wondering, who could be happier than me? You know, I'm, I have everything. I'm the king. I have money. I have wealth. I have food. I have everyone. I have everything to my, to my feet. Who could be happier than me? So he said, you know what? I want to see if there's anybody happier than me. So the, the, the king secretly snuck out of the castle. He covered himself off, you know, with, with some type of a robe. And he covered himself. No one should recognize him. And he went in the streets of the village of, of, of one of the, on the kingdom to see who could be happier than me. And he sees, a, he peeks in the, in the window of a Jew. And the Jew has a table set with food. And he's playing a fiddle, and he's so happy. So the king knocks on the door, and the Jew opens the door, and he sees a stranger. He said, hi, I'm cold, can you maybe let me in? He said, come, come in, please. And he put him next to the fire. He said, want anything to eat? I have a table, I have food. And the king said, are you happy? He said, I'm so happy, I have everything. Look at me. I have food, I have drink. I, what, what could I be missing? So the king was jealous. He said, he's happier than me, can't be. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna test him to see if he can be happier than me. So the king made a decree that, you know, uh, a, certain, like a certain decree to make it to this person. He asked him, what do you do? He said, I'm a fixer, I fix things. So he, <laughs> the fixer, the famous, <laughs> there you go, there you go. So, so he made, the king said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play a game on him. I'm gonna make it that no one can get things fixed. So he put out an edict the next day that you're not allowed to get your things fixed. So the fixer went out to try to fix things for people and he said, I can't give you my watch to fix because the king put out a, a decree, you can't fix this. So, and he went to that person, you, want, you have anything to be fixed? No, I can't, you might fix my clock, fix, I can't. But the king let a decree. So he tried to figure out what to do. He saw a man was cleaning his barn for the sheep. So the man said, listen, it's beneath your dignity, you're old, maybe I'll do it for you. He said, why not here? So he let him clean the barn and he gave him good money. Out of the money, he bought more food. And the king set out the next night, also dressed up, disguised, to see if this guy is still happy. Because he found someone who's happier than him. He wants to see if he's still happy. He peeks through the window, the king again, and he sees the table set again with food, and he's playing his violin, and he's happy. So he knocks on the door. He said, I'm, I'm here again. Can I come in? I'm cold. He said, he came in. I gave him some food. He said, tell me, what happened today? You know, you have good food and everything. That's amazing. He said, yeah, well, you know, I'm a fixer. And the king put a degree that you can't fix anything. So by miracle, I found some work. You know, someone needed some work to clean up his, uh, his cattle in the, 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 the barn. And I helped him out. So the king said, okay. And he went back to this castle. He made a decree the next day. You'd have to have hired help to clean your barn. So he went out looking again to clean people's barns. And it didn't work out. He couldn't find it. So he found, every time he found another job. Until he ran out of jobs because the king was always knocking him off. And because he was every night, he was able to have food and be happy. So what he did once, he saw there's no other job available. So he said, maybe he'll hire himself to be a guard for the king's castle. So he, he applied. They gave him the job. Okay. And he saw that was an expensive sword. <laughs> so what did he do? He went to the pawn shop to pawn the sword. And he said, no one will notice. notice guys. I'm not, you're not busy killing people. You're just a guard. So he put a wooden piece on the handle of the sword. He pawned the metal. And with the money, he bought food. Okay? And, he, and he pretended that he had an actual metal sword, but it was, was, was wood. So again, that night, the king came to his house. Again, the guy dressed up. Can I come in? It's cold. And what was the story today? He told him what he did. He pawned the, the sword. So the king said, I want to play a trick on him. The next day, he, he uh, ordered the captain of all the guards to come. And he said, I have someone to execute. And I want one guard specifically to execute him. Okay, and I want everybody to come. Okay, so he brought everybody in. And this fixer was summoned to kill this person. And his sword is wood. He didn't get retrieved the pawn. For the, he didn't get paid yet in order to, to, re, you know, to redeem the, the, the metal of the sword. So the king said, I want you to kill this person right now. And the, 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 the fixer, he said, but I never killed a person in my life. The king said, I order you to, king this, to kill this person right now. You have to do it. And all the soldiers were watching and all the people, all the entourage of the king were watching. So the fixer said, Master of the universe, please, if this person is not really liable to death penalty, then let my sword turn into wood. And he pulled out his sword and it was the wooden stick. So everybody started cracking up and the king also was extremely happy. He says, you're good, you're good. I see you're happier than me. Keep it up. And he, he let him go and gave him even presents. What's the point? He was able to maintain his joy even in the toughest situations. It's a cute story, but there's a lot of uh, reality into this. This is our goal, to get in a good mood, to be happy, not to get drained by the sadness of life, or the, te well, the seemingly sadness. It's not real sadness. It's the, it's the medam, it's the ma imagination, which shows us that it's sad, but the real truth, there's simcha, simcha sorry, in our life. We should have the merit to connect to it and be positive, this is the source of bracha, right? We see on Lecha Dodi Friday night, Ki hi mekor ha-bracha. Shabbat is the source of blessing. And what is Shabbat? Shabbat, believe it or not, is the greatest simcha that we have. It's the greatest joy, because it's the joy of the world to come. It's the joy of the future, where everything will be perfect, everything amazing. And we are meant every week to reconnect to this joy every week. That's our goal, to have every day the light of Shabbat. Like it says about Hillel and Shammai, that already from Sunday, they were connecting themselves to Shabbat. It says on Sunday, we say in the Shir Shalyom, in the morning davening, we say today is the Shir of the first day of Shabbat. We say every day, we say the Shir of Monday of Shabbat, Tuesday of Shabbat, Wednesday of Shabbat. We say that because we try to draw the light of Shabbat into every day of the week. 
with Simcha. The Simcha of Shabbat is the Simcha of the future, and we draw it into our daily days. And this is the key for Bracha, B'zat Hashem. We should be zocher, to have activated in our life the true bracha that we need by being in a positive attitude and working on it because this is what's going to bring Mashiach more than anything else. Like the verse reads, Ki besimcha tetzeu. It's with joy that we will come out of this exile. It's not through worrying and plotting and fretting over the situations you're going through, but rather it's being happy through everything you're going through. That is what's going to bring your Mashiach and the Mashiach for the rest of the world. Rav Nosson once said about himself, by the way, my Mashiach has already come. Rav Nosson, who lived 150 years ago, he said, my Mashiach has come. As if to say, from his side, there's no delay in Mashiach. And he was already living in a Mashiach attitude, which is, like someone, someone this morning pointed out a nice chidush, that Mashiach is the letters Yismach, to be happy. Sameach. You have in Mashiach, Sameach, which we to have that simcha to activate the bracha. Now, we want to present to everyone a 40-day challenge. Everything we said today is based on Rabbi Nachman's lesson 24 of Likutei Moran. Rabbi Nachman's book, Likutei Moran, is very special and unique in that, as you learn it, it begins to be activated in your life. It's something very weird, very, not scary, but an amazing uh, challenge, if you want to say, that when you learn it, it comes to life. Things in life pop up that weren't there beforehand. This may be true of the rest of the Torah, but you've got to work hard to see that when learning Gemara, Midrash, Chumash, Halacha, Zohar, whatever you learn. You've got to work hard to see how the Torah is becoming alive. Here, you don't have to work hard. This is Hasidut. Hasidut is that the Tzadikim, in particular Rabbi Nachman in this case, they take the highest levels of the Torah and they bring it to your doorstep. They bring it to you. What's required is that you just learn it. Okay? So how Likud Temran works, it's amazing is that it becomes activated in your life. Yet, that's not enough. You still want to direct it to where you need help. It's like, for example, a person now has a type of a, a malady, a sickness on his arm, and there's a special cream that can alleviate and heal that, 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 that skin disease. So he finally, finally gets $500 to buy this cream, and he comes out of the pharmacy, oh, I got it, I have the cream! You idiot, you have to apply it to the, to the wound. You bought the cream, now apply it to the wound. So too, Likute Moran activates your spiritual healing. In this case, we spoke about joy, bracha, intellect. You feel you need these things. Obviously, we all need these things. By learning these lessons, you begin to see these things coming to life in your life, but you want to direct them to the right area. This is a concept Rabbi Nachman introduces. It's called La'asot Mitorot Tfilot. To turn, to decipher, to re-express the Torah teachings of the tzaddikim in prayer format. His disciple, Rabbi Nachman of disciple Rav Nosin, he did that. He wrote a book called Likutei Tfilot, which are prayers expressing the yearning to fulfill the ideas that Rabbi Nachman mentions in his lessons. So that means every lesson in the book Likutei Moran has a corresponding prayer written by Rav Nosin. Now these prayers are even more enhanced. If now Rabbi Nachman's teachings come to life, just imagine what the prayer does. The prayer brings it down to the nitty-gritty and to the details of your life that you need help. They work together. There's learning the Torah of the tzaddik to activate it in your life and then to complete the healing spiritually supposed to, to, to direct it in the right place. These are these prayers. There's no other book in Judaism that has prayers based on them except for the Chumash itself. We have the Chumash, the five books of Moses. And on them, King David wrote the five books of Tehillim. It's five on five. King David wrote the five books of prayers of Tehillim, the Psalms, to pray for fulfilling what's written in the five books of the Chumash. The only other book we have is Likutei Moran by Rabbi Nachman and the prayers by Rav Nosson. So we present to you two PDF files. Again, this is free of charge, of course, right? There's two PDF files. One is a uh, 40-day chart. For 40 days, we pick the unit of 40 days because the number 40 in Judaism is a sign of accomplishment. We see that in two weeks ago in the parsha, that Moshe Rabbeinu in 40 days and 40 nights to Hashem to forgive the Jews for the golden calf, until on the end of 40 days, which was Rosh Chodesh Elul, Hashem said, Salach Tikidvarecha, I forgive the Jewish people for the sin of the golden calf. 40 gets you somewhere. Rav Nosen once said, the best way to get something moving in life is to daven for it for 40 days straight, one unit. So we devised here a chart, 40 days, plus a second PDF, 
of the entire lesson, 24, of all the constants we mentioned tonight, plus Rav Nosson's prayer in Hebrew and English. Okay, you can say it in English and Hebrew. doesn't make a difference. And to go over it for 40 days until you see personally, this is the challenge, that these things come to life. The simcha becomes more apparent. The bracha comes more apparent. The intellect comes more apparent. The handling of the ups and downs in life become more apparent. That you're able to maintain joy. That you want to see that in life. This prayer and this lesson have a power to reach it. I challenge all of you to take this opportunity. It's only 40 days. Give Rabbi Nachman a chance to touch parts of your neshama that you never knew you had even. Parts of you, energy and potential that you have that you never knew existed. Let him help you to come out. Let him help you to develop who you really are and to help you come out of your situations. So we have two PDF files. You can contact me if you want by email. So that's Breast of Therapy, B-R-E-S-L-O-V therapy at gmail.com. I'll glad you send you the two PDF files. Or by WhatsApp. WhatsApp is a, it's an American number, 732-800-1863. And once again, we should truly be b'simcha and have bracha in our life. And with all this, see the coming of Mashiach through joy. Through simcha b'ezrat Hashem. Thank you. <coughs> Any questions?